Good day to you, Matt here. And we are on day 11 of 30 Days of Love, created by Amy Leo, with Intention Inspired. And today's intention is I am secure. Today we will address issues of constant comparison, envy, and jealousy head on. So buckle in, let's get down to it with our intention of the day, trusting in the truth of who we are. I am secure. Here is a little hello introduction from Amy Leo. Welcome back. Today is day 11 of our 30 days of love challenge here at Intention Inspired. And today's intention is secure. So in the going deeper section, we're going to highlight something that gets brought up a lot to me. And that is issues of jealousy and envy. So if comparison has got you down in the past, or if it's getting you down now, or you're just curious to learn more about these two interesting (laughs) experiences that a lot of us get caught up in, envy and jealousy, then take a listen to today's going deeper section. Beautiful. Before we dive into our going deeper section, we are going to speak into this intention of secure with an affirmation. So you can repeat after me if you like, or you just can repeat in your head, out loud, in your head, or just listen along. I am secure. I am warm and content with who I am and what I have. Because security is essentially a feeling. Since my feelings are created from the inside out, I know I am always protected and able to remain safe, regardless of what goals I do not or or do achieve. Because I am aware, resilient, and compassionate. When my personal fears subside in any given moment, a sense of security is what naturally shows up. When I recognize that my neighbor is fundamentally no more or less secure than I am, I have the ability to taste freedom. I am secure. Nice. Okay. Let's just dive into the deep dive for the day. Hey, it's Amy here. And I wanted to share with you an interview I did with Dr. George Pransky. George Pransky is one of the founders of a breakthrough approach to human understanding that is currently among the fastest growing approaches in the world. He's taught for over 40 years to individuals, couples, businesses, and colleagues. And Dr. Pransky is also the author of The Relationship Handbook. Currently, he is a partner at Pransky & Associates in Laconner, Washington, and on the executive committee of the Three Principles Global Community. Let's see what George has to say about jealousy and envy. 
like what what does a person who's really stuck in the throes of envy you know what kind of feelings are they experiencing what kind of actions do they take do they go on you know crazy binge diets or what what have you kind of seen throughout the years well um it starts with a feeling of insecurity okay so if you took envy and you dug down and you um looked uh got a deeper view of it you would see just generalized insecurity so the person has lost their emotional bearing and they feel a little insecure okay well then um their thinking goes to um, you're trying to get relief from that insecurity and, and relief from feeling like their uh, plight isn't as good as it should be or they're not as good a person as they should be. They go from there to trying to get relief and as a coping, uh, as a coping mechanism, they imagine how things would be better okay so they imagine well if i was uh if i was my neighbor who has more money than i do he's got a more beautiful wife than i do he seems happier than I, if i was my neighbor uh i would be happy i wouldn't be feeling this way and that gives people temporary relief because they're imagining uh, a happy thought see and people always experience uh, their thinking in real time they're thinking right now they they feel that thinking via their senses that's that's the human consciousness does it it brings each thought to life and this thought is a pleasant thought of Gee, wouldn't it be great to be my neighbor? And uh, and from that, they get a good thought. That's why I call it a coping mechanism, because they're, they're trying to replace the bad feeling they have of insecurity with a nicer thought. Okay? But then, as, as they continue to think about their neighbor and think about how much better it would be to be their neighbor. And as they think about how many things about their neighbor's life are better than theirs, uh, invariably they think more about how bad their life is and how deprived their life is and how bad it is by comparison. And unwittingly, they end up feeling worse than they did before they thought about how nice it would be to be their neighbor. See, so even though the person is, really thinks they're onto something here because they had a temporary shot of good feeling, oh yeah, I love that fantasy of my neighbor's life. Then when they uh, continue to think in that vein from their own feelings of, you know, inadequacy and and insecurity and feeling 
sorry for themselves and dissatisfaction, when they start to think in those directions, those feelings come back to them and they start feeling worse and worse, more dissatisfied, more deprived by comparison, more uh, upset about their plight. And they might even feel resentment towards the neighbor for the neighbor, you know, flaunting this nicer life to them. And, and that to me is how jealousy generally plays out. And each person is a little different, but you find in every person it starts with, I'm just not feeling, you know, I'm feeling insecure. I'm having some, you know, negative feeling about my life and about myself. And then in everybody that has it, their tendency to go to the coping mechanism of, well, let me think for a minute about someone who's got a really nice life. Maybe that will make me feel good to them. And they do that. And then that turns into, well, that makes me even feel, feel even worse about my own life. So that's kind of a cycle that people get into. Have you seen that this, this thinking pattern, I guess, for lack of a better word, of, of insecurity leads to clinical diagnoses like depression? Well, I, I think that when a person starts thinking about how dissatisfied they are with their plight, and they do that innocently, but nevertheless, it affects them because they they live in the feeling of their thinking. They feel their thinking. And then in the case of jealousy, uh, envy, as they uh, innocently make that comparison between themselves and the other person, as I said earlier, that will lower their spirits even further and at some critical mass of low spirits they would be diagnosed as uh, clinically depressed that's all it is is a critical mass of low spirits so you've got uh, the amount of thinking they do and the, the how negative the thinking is and how seriously they take the thinking makes that descent either quicker and deeper or not so quick and not as deep. So there's those variables in it. But there's no question that when a person um, takes their thinking uh, towards dissatisfaction, uh, realizing how uh, thinking they're unhappy, it lowers their spirits, and when they compare themselves with people who are much better off and feel worse for the comparison, and their spirits go down, they're headed towards depression. And that's really all that's happening. They've been bent, spindled, and mutilated by their own thoughts. Okay, well, I'm sure at this point, readers are going to be dying to know, okay, that sounds great, but how do I get over my envy, George? What do I do? Well, there's really only one solution to getting beyond or, or releasing 
a negative experience. Okay, and that is um, to to uh, release the thought because the negative experience is completely determined and defined and sourced by whatever thinking is happening at the time. And uh, getting over that thought, releasing that thought, dropping that thought, uh, having you know the thought pass, whatever you want to call it, ultimately, that's what changes from having that bad experience to having a nicer feeling. Because below it all, human beings are by nature lighthearted, joyful, loving. That's their, their nature. That's why all young kids, two, three years old, are that way. You know, they're pretty consistently that way. They, they run everywhere because they can't wait to get to where they're going. And where they're going, it's pretty indiscriminate. Who knows? They maybe go over to pick up a rock and play with it. So people by nature are joyful and loving and feeling good, right? And and even though that's our natural state, it's the homeostasis, it's, it's our home, it's our true identity, uh, every human being through their free will has the power to override that and feel the way they're thinking gets them feeling. So they can override that with a thought of envy or a thought of jealousy or a thought of uh, resentment or anger at any moment. And when they do that, they will feel the that thought instead of feeling the natural state of well-being. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because you don't have to think a good thought in order to feel better. You just have to uh, get over the thought. It stopped you after. Yeah, it stopped. And right when you were getting to some real juicy bit, uh, you were saying that you don't have to think a, a better thought, basically. And then it, it cuts right. you off after. Okay, so you, you don't have to think a better thought. As soon as that um, uh, troublesome, painful thought leaves your mind, automatically, without any effort on your part, a natural, positive thought of love and joy and tranquility, all those positive feelings will automatically come to mind. It's, it's built into the system, you see? So, you don't have to replace it. You don't have to rethink. You just have to allow it to have the natural thing to happen. Now, this is very, very fortunate because it would be a lot of effort for us to have to manufacture these positive thoughts on our own. It wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be that big a deal, but it would be some effort. It would be, oh, I, I got to get a positive one there to replace the negative one, but. The negative ones are the uh, are the kind of man-made one. They're the ones that we, through our free will, through our innocence, bring these thoughts to mind and feel that as a result. And they uh, will, when they leave, automatically you're going to feel more well-being and feel better. Now, 
The other fortunate thing is, oh boy, is this fortunate. Thought is by nature transient. You see, so it's hard to be believe the whole thought in their head for five minutes. It, it, it's a little bit of an effort. That's why they get stressed by their negative thinking because they're innocently holding it in their minds. So human beings really shouldn't be concerned about negative thoughts because they're transient and they're, they're bound to come and go. But first of all, people don't understand that. And second of all, there's something that holds negative thoughts in place that makes it very difficult for us to uh, let go of a thought or drop a thought. And that is crucial to this discussion, absolutely crucial. And that is to extend that a thought looks real, like it represents reality, that it has an objective existence independent of our thinking. That when a thought looks real to a human being, myself included, we, we have trouble uh, letting go of the thought, de-emphasizing the thought, moving away from the thought, we, because it seems to us important to uh, respect that thought and deal with that thought because it looks real. <laughs> if I were dealing with something here and, and to ignore it, given that we think it's real, would be the very definition of denial. You'd be denying something and pretending it wasn't real and important when you think it is real and important. So conversely, as soon as a human being sees an experience as thought, pure thought, the only reason I'm feeling this envy is because I'm thinking envious thoughts about my neighbor. Not only reason, but for those thoughts, I would not be feeling envious. I would be feeling uh, loving, joyful. I'd be feeling well-being. I have peace of mind. But I'm thinking those thoughts. I don't. I don't mean to. I didn't get up this morning and say, "I'm gonna bomb myself out with these thoughts." I just fell into these thoughts, if you will. That I'm. I'm thinking these thoughts, and because I'm thinking these thoughts right now. Right now, I'm feeling those painful feelings of envy, painful feelings of insecurity, or painful feelings of jealousy, whatever they are. Okay? Now, the slightest suspicion that all that's happening is me thinking those thoughts right now, the slightest suspicion of that will move those thoughts up. In, in a direction of out of your mind, out of your, out of your uh, attention, out of your, out of your head. So the, the antidote to painful thoughts is what I'm going to call thought recognition. In fact, if you recognize it for what it is, and what it is, is a transient thought, and you recognize the link between a transient thought and an experience that is very gripping or very painful or just 
any experience, if you can see the link between the always the consistent, inextricable link between what you think and the experience you're having, how you feel, if you see that link at all, you'll notice that your thoughts aren't impacting you the way they were before. Now, I'm going to give uh, an analogy that will help you with this. Okay, that's okay, right? Perfect, yeah. Okay. You go to a movie. In the movie, they have sadness, they have terror, they have anger, jealousy, whole range of emotions, uh, euphoria, enthusiasm. And as a movie goer, if you're really into the movie, you go through all those experiences. So if if someone put that, uh, you know, monitored uh, uh, your brain, did a PET scan, and they didn't know you were in the movies, they said, oh, look at this poor person there. They're feeling angry now. They must be having an argument with someone. Now they're feeling jealous. They must be in some situation that looks superior to their own. Now they're feeling really depressed. Something bad must. They would. They would just think that all these circumstances uh, caused them to have all these emotions. That would be the normal way of looking at it. Someone that understands the role of thought would realize. That as they're sitting in the theater, they're thinking the thoughts that are going on in the movie. So they're thinking of jealousy, they're thinking the betrayal, they're thinking this. And they're having representative feelings that are a complete reflection of those thoughts. One to one mirror those thoughts. They are like mirror image of those thoughts so they're going through all this pain and suffering and these highs and lows sitting there in the theater but yet there's a way in which we know even though we're in the throes of a deep experience in the theater that it's not a permanent thing it's not anything we have to concern ourselves with. It's just something we're going through because we're watching the movie. As soon as the movie's over, we go out of the theater and go home and maybe we think about it a little bit and some of the feelings come back. But it's not really a contextual issue in our life. It's just a transitory issue in our life. Now, when you start to see the thought is, is, is identical to going to a movie that you're thinking has special effects that we call consciousness. It's like a movie. So your thinking is like the script. And the special effects is like consciousness. Because the special effects is tied to your senses. And every thought that you have, a full spectrum of sensory experience accompanies that thought. So if you're thinking jealous thoughts or envious thoughts, you will feel the full spectrum of sensory experience about what it is to feel jealous and feel envious. Now, if interjected into that, 
you realize, wow, this is just my thinking as it. Only thing, but for my thinking, I wouldn't be feeling this way. My thinking is the author of these thoughts. My thinking is the author of these thoughts. That's all that's happening. This is freestanding. If I weren't thinking this, I'd be feeling different. You see? And that's the only way that people can find uh, fluidity in their experiences and people can get get over or get past um, painful experiences. Uh, they just begin to see them as just thought. Or their thinking just changes. Maybe they're in the midst of a painful experience and suddenly they remember that their meter is running out. You know, so they forget about the thought. They run out to the car and they put money in the meter before the meter moves. So people can just change their thinking or they can recognize that their thinking is the only thing that's gone wrong. There's nothing independent of them real in the world that has an objective existence that accounts for the way they feel. It's just that they're thinking that at that moment that tells the whole story of why they're experiencing that. So that's a, a very uh, long, detailed answer to your question. Oh, right. Well, the first thing I heard when you were speaking is that you weren't talking about the law of attraction or like positive psychology when you were defining thought. And it occurred to me as you were speaking as well, well, yeah, that makes sense. I've never had an optimistic thought and felt anxious. That's never happened <laughs> that I can remember. I want to say this about thought, what you were saying about law of attraction and all that. The law of attraction and positive thinking and framing, all of that has under it the assumption that you and I are responsible for managing our thinking. See, so we have to make it happen. If we're going to have a positive thought, positive experience, we have to make that happen. If we have a bad experience, we have to uh, make it happen that we have a good one. Now, I'm suggesting that thought is way too quick for us to manage it. It just comes in over my head and that's it. It's too late already to manage thought. See, that's the bad news. Bad news is too late already to manage stuff. The good news is we don't have to manage it. Because the answer isn't in managing it, it's understanding it for what it is. The same way that the answer to not, you know, having to bring a, a gun with you when you go to a war movie uh, for protection is that you understand the movie for what it is. A movie is just a bunch of projections on a screen, it's made up, it's got special effects. And when you see, understand the nature of how the mind works, thought, is uh, is made up as well. We make up our, our own thinking and then it's brought to life by consciousness and made to look real. And when you understand the nature of it, it it's not going to scare you and, and make you feel like you have to manage it or have a coping mechanism because as soon as you understand it for what it is, you'll see how fluid it is, transient it is, it comes and goes. 
Nice. Thank you, Dr. George Pransky. <clears throat> Again, he's the author of the Relationship Handbook. And um, now we just want to hear from Dr. Nicole Beasley a few minutes about releasing the ego from the eye of comparison to follow up what, what Dr. Pransky was sharing. Hey, it's Amy again. I also wanted to share with you snippets of an interview I did with Dr. Nicole Beasley. Nicole Beasley has over 15 years of experience as a psychologist, and she states that the wisest people I know are people who have a knowing about life that has come from direct experience and a dedicated practice of sitting with themselves and others. Wisdom cannot come from a book, nor can it come from staying away from what is difficult. She earned her undergraduate degree from Stanford and her master's in doctorate in clinical psychology from UC Berkeley. Let's hear what Nicole has to say about jealousy, envy, and constant comparison. Issues of comparison, I think, what, the way I would like to approach that is it's just a culturally normative experience. And to make it less of a psychological problem than a cultural or what I would call spiritual problem which is that the ego is very much invested in us seeing ourselves through the eyes of comparison. And that's just the nature of the ego. And I don't mean the Freudian word ego. I mean the spiritual idea of the ego. So most people will see themselves and the way they look at themselves is through the eyes of comparison. And um, I don't see that as a psychological problem. That's like a pathology. Um, so if we look at that in just sort of a normative way, kids start school and they get grades or teams. Someone wins, someone loses. We're just put in this way. There's just this way of thinking about the self that's always in comparison to the other. And at least in Western culture, that's just what we're past. So in a Buddhist sense, it's just conditioned mind, how the ego is set up. I think more what I see are people who don't feel like they're enough and they see that as a private, personal problem instead of a culturally created illusion that's pretty normative. So if you just pick up a woman's magazine, it's filled with comparison. And it, the whole thing, there are so many thoughts passed that would provoke a sense of envy and lead people to feel like somehow, or lead a person to feel like somehow, she isn't quite where she needs to be. Um, and it's all passed in, in like many, many subtle and not so subtle ways. So it's sort of like the air we breathe in, like racism or sexism or homophobia, or it's just uh, everywhere. The cause of envy is following thought. The cause of everything is following thought. 
So without following thought, we have no experience at all. So I experience envy because I live in the illusion of the ego. It creates this idea of another person's life. It makes it all beautiful. And I suffer because I live in the illusion that over there is beautiful and over here is lacking. And waking up out of that is the process of awakening or coming home or so many different words, self-compassion, self-love, self-realization. So thinking is the cause of suffering. Wow, good stuff. I'd like to go over a few key takeaways from from what Dr. Beasley and Dr. Pransky had to share. So at the root of all feelings of jealousy is a false assumption that you are not enough. The negative experiences that we experience is completely determined and defined by the source of whatever thinking is happening at the time. So the only solution to getting beyond or releasing a negative experience is to release the thought. Behind it all, human beings by nature are lighthearted, joyful, and loving. So as soon as a negative thought leaves your mind, automatically, without any effort on your part, a natural positive thought of love and joy and tranquility, all those positive feelings will automatically come to mind. How cool is that? So whatever resonated with you, let's just bring that in with a mantra. Today's mantra is love is unlimited. Beauty is unlimited. Success is unlimited. Let's repeat that three times together. Love is unlimited. Beauty is unlimited. Success is unlimited. Love is unlimited. Beauty is unlimited. Success is unlimited. Love is unlimited. Beauty is unlimited. Success is unlimited. So today we have a couple science studies to back up um, the intention of today of I am secure. Um, studies done on the effects of social media on emotions. Um, two studies, one <clears throat> from the current opinion in psychology. Study done in 2016 titled The Interplay Between Facebook Use, Social Comparison, Envy, and Depression. The other is an article from Time Magazine back in 2017 titled Why Instagram is the Worst Social Media for Mental Health. <laughs> and so in these studies, 
in these articles referencing studies, it shares that the experience of negative emotions, like poor self, poor self concept, envy, and even depression and anxiety have been correlated with social media use. This doesn't mean social media is the direct cause of these emotions, but being more mindful of your own state of mind when browsing social media can certainly help you decide when it may be beneficial to engage in social media or when it may be better to leave it alone. Today's quote of the day is from Michael Neal, who said, we don't create abundance. Abundance is always present. We create limitations. Let's dive into our journal prompt for today. If you have your journal handy, rock and roll. Go ahead and grab that, pull it out. And bring to mind qualities that are often talked about as being limited, such as beauty, success, love, or an adventurous lifestyle. And take a few moments to answer this question for yourself. How does the spell of not enough play into issues of constant comparison, jealousy, and envy? I'll give you a couple minutes to jot that down while we listen to the song of today. Why not? Um, you heard it at the beginning, it's called You Can't Go Wrong by Gone Gone Beyond. So go ahead and journal on while I play this music. And again, the question is, how does the spell of not enough play into issues of constant comparison, jealousy, and envy? Who you are? Are you 
journal sesh that about wraps it up for the day we have one last farewell from amy leo and carry on so here's amy that'll wrap it up for today i do encourage you to go back at some point and re-listen to the going deeper section especially if jealousy and envy have kind of been difficult areas for you in the past or overwhelming there's definitely more to see in the area jealousy, envy, and how that relates to self-love and love of others as well. So I will see you again tomorrow. Until next time, stay curious, take care of yourself, and keep love. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am secure. What beautiful, healthy reminders. Tomorrow we'll be diving into the intention, I am resilient. Ah, yes. So I'm looking forward to that. Until then, enjoy the day. You're secure, you're beautiful, you're love, you're light. I will catch ya manana. Enjoy the day. <laughs>